Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Canadian Rock. This is Jamie Gray. Uh, a little bit late posting this one as my wife and I had a beautiful little getaway, much needed getaway to the Algonquin in St. Andrews, New Brunswick. Beautiful resort if you haven't been. Just took a night. We're both done work for the summer, both teachers, and uh, just a chance to kind of reconnect. So it was great. But we're uh, I'm very excited to have our guest coming on for you today, Dr. Summer Christie. will be joining us very shortly. Uh, Dr. Christie's Rolodex, if you will, of, of accomplishments, 0206 Rugby World Cup, honorable mention uh, for the 10 greatest North American women rugby union players, 010203 all CIS Canadian, 2017 Concordia University uh, inducted into the Hall of, Sports Hall of Fame, Coach Concordia from 06 to 09, and now she's a PhD in mental performance consulting with Olympic, Paralympic, Hockey Canada, Rugby Canada. She kind of does everything. Uh, very, very interesting conversation, one that you're definitely going to want to stick around and enjoy. Uh, just a little plug, we always do this just to make sure that you know what's happening, especially for those that are new to the program. Where can you find us? Well, we're on social media, naturally. Twitter, at Canadian Rock. Instagram, the underscore Canadian underscore Rock. Facebook, at the Canadian Rock. And our email is thecanadianrock at gmail.com. Use that stuff if you have questions about guests or if you have questions you want to ask guests or questions you want to ask me. Just throw it out there and uh, I do my best to respond whenever I can. We'll, we'll talk about that actually a little bit later on. Where can you find us? Well, we're on YouTube, so you can watch. And we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and CastBox to listen. When you're watching and listening, make sure you're following, subscribing, leave some reviews, but most importantly, share these stories so that other people get a chance to hear them. Lastly, we're at the CanadianRock.Weebly.com. That is where all of our content is stored, so you can easily find different podcasts. You can look through the two seasons. We're up around the 75 podcast mark somewhere in there, so we've got a lot a lot of content focused 90% on, at least, if not more, on Canadian rugby. East Coast Roast Coffee is an independent micro-roaster coffee in St. John, New Brunswick. What micro-breweries are to beer, East Coast Roast is to coffee. They source from independent farmers and co-ops all over the world and roast in small batches to bring something interesting to the local coffee scene. If you're into really fresh coffee, head on over to their website at eastcoastroast.ca or pick up beans from Jeremiah's, Paris Crew, The Art Warehouse, or Woodchucks in St. John, New Brunswick. All right, just some just some general musings here. Hats off to the Habs. Sorry, wait, that's hockey. My bad. Seriously, though, I'm a Leafs fan, so I'm a little bit out of sorts watching this wicked Habs run. But how do you not love Shea Weber? How do you not love Carey Price? Those guys, you just want them to win. And then you throw in Caulfield, Suzuki, Anderson. Man, they're fun to watch. And don't forget about that Luke Richardson behind the bench taking over the coaching reins. What a great guy he is. A Habs Islanders finals would have been pretty fun. Spoiler alert, if you don't know the game score from last night, the Islanders lost. But that would have been fun. It would have been fast and tough hockey with two teams that haven't won in a long time. But the Habs and Lightning should be pretty good hockey too. I'm excited to watch the finals unfold. Hopefully Montreal, uh, they can ease up the restrictions so that they can fill that rink. I'm not sure how that'll break down. Also, a little bit of a backlash on social media. I think for the most part, everything that I viewed on my platforms on, on different social media has pretty much been positive. You know, a few questions about programming or things like that. But last week, got some got some negative uh, feedback on Instagram. It happens, especially when people feel that they're anonymous or don't even know the full scope of an issue or a topic. So we had a post about the Canadian Rugby uh, rugby players association about that pod so we posted the pod last weekend and then midweek i reposted saying if you haven't had a chance check it out well we had four members representing the pa 
and through various reasons, the only four that were able to make the call were four guys. Somebody left a smirky comment about having no females present on the call and that it wasn't fully representing the PA. I messaged the person back and then they gave a stronger opinion. So I just deleted the message as that negativity isn't needed, especially from someone on social media that isn't following my IG account or the PA's account and by all looks doesn't follow anything rugby related. It was unfortunate that they weren't that there weren't more members on that call, but it's a very busy time for the PA and myself. So I think we were lucky to have the four voices together for the time that we did make the call. We had a, a bunch of timelines lined up and that's when we could get the most people together. And if you look at any of the PA, it has a great and equal representation from all walks of the rugby playing field. Also, if you listen to any of my past pods, you'll note that I've done a pretty good job of highlighting rugby players, not based on gender, not based on race, not based on any other criteria. It's to highlight Canadian rugby players, coaches, admin, etc. And I think we've done a great job of that. So to those who are in the unknown about this pod or the Players Association, and I suggest that you contact us directly with your concerns or questions. I'd rather engage in a productive and professional conversation without people spitting hate that have zero to no clue about what is happening. Anyways, I digress. Thank you for listening to that little rant. And thanks to those who spoke up on social media against this person defending the Canadian Rock, defending the PA, particularly Ale and Trails on Instagram. We did a nice job of, of putting some good words out there. Now, on to some rugby news. What's going on? Well, there's been a few things happening. Naturally, I think everybody knows this by now, but if you don't, I'm going to reiterate. Sevens Olympic rosters have a name, and they look freaking wicked. Women's roster. Alicia Lere, Torvier, Quebec. Olivia Apps of Lindsay, Ontario. Britt Ben of Napanee, Ontario. Friend of the Pod, Pam Buisa of Gatineau, Quebec. Bianca Farella of Montreal, Quebec. Julia Greenshields of Sarnia, Ontario. Giselaine Landry of Toronto, Ontario. Callie Lucan of Barrie, Ontario. Kayla Maleshi of Williams Lake, BC. Brianne Nicholas of Blenheim, Ontario. Brianne is supposed to be joining us at some point on call. Friend of the Pod, Karen Pacquian of Quebec City, Quebec. Kira Wardley of Vulcan, Alberta, and Charity Williams of Toronto, Ontario. So that's your women's roster. That's a stacked squad. On the men's side, Phil Berna of Vancouver, BC. Friend of the pod, Connor Braid of Victoria, BC. Friend of the pod, Andrew Coe of Markham, Ontario. Justin Douglas of Abbotsford, BC. Mike, Fu I'm sorry, Mike. Mike Fuelafau of Victoria, BC. Lucas Hammond of Toronto, Ontario. Nate Hiriyama of Richmond, BC. Friend of the pod, Harry Jones of West Vancouver, BC. Patrick Kay of Duncan, BC. Matt Mullins of Bellevue, Ontario. Theo Souter of Vancouver, BC. Jake Thiel of Abbotsford, BC. And friend of the pod, Connor Trainer of Vancouver, British Columbia. Two amazing looking squads. I, for one, I imagine most of you, if not all of you, are super excited to watch these two teams in action and watch them do some damage while in Tokyo. That's starting soon, so make sure you're ready with your PVR or what have you because the time changes are different, but just make sure you're watching those games and supporting those two teams going forward. And uh, if you're on YouTube, you're probably wondering, who's this guy? And if you're on uh, Spotify, well, you, you don't know what I'm talking about. But Lewis Carmichael is retiring. Who's Lewis Carmichael? Well, young lad, only 26. 60 matches for Edinburgh and two tests for Scotland. So, you know, young in his career, only a couple of caps. Young fella has had numerous and successive concussions. All right, so this is why I kind of brought this up. Um, I've mentioned this a few times in the past. I've had 10 concussions. My most recent was three months ago, and I'm still suffering daily from that. I feel 
horribly <laughs> gutted for this guy. This is what Carmichael states. I'm obviously gutted. I will no longer be playing professional rugby, but I know it's the right decision having discussed my situation with a number of specialists and the medical teams of both Edinburgh and Scotland, Scottish rugby. So at this point, he's hoping eventually to get into coaching and he has signed up for the Scottish Rugby Union's player support program. So that's similar to what the Canadian Rugby Players Association is beginning right now. We're in our infancy. Scottish one, I already have one on the go. I strongly encourage any Rugby Canada players, if they haven't checked it out yet, invest some of their time and check it out at canadianrpa.ca. Anyway, Lewis, good luck getting healthy. It could be a long road of recovery, as I, many others, know all too well. World Rugby. Two rules that are going to be implemented as of this year to test for a full season, full year, full calendar year. The 50-22 and the goal line dropout. The 50-22 kick... If the team in possession kicks the ball from inside their own half indirectly into touch inside the opponent's 22 or from inside their own 22 into their opponent's half, they will throw in to the resultant lineup. Rationale to create space via tactical choice for players to drop back out of the defensive line in order to prevent their opponent from kicking to touch. And the other one is the goal line dropout. The awarding of a goal line dropout to the defending team when an attacking player who brings the ball into goal is held up. The rationale for that to reward good defense and promote a faster rate of play. So I'm not sure how much this will open up the game, if that's what World Rugby is even looking to do. The goal line dropout could be a good way to relieve pressure on the defense instead of the five-meter scrum. A deep drop kick from the goal line could give more space. As for the 50-22, uh, I'm going to need to see that in action a little bit more consistently. I'm not sure how that one will play out. It, it could definitely open up the game as you get to, you get to keep the ball a little bit more possibly. There were a number of rules that were on the table. I'm not certain as to why these two were chosen. Neither have anything to do with player safety, which is what World Rugby has stated as a priority, maybe next year. Anyway, these two laws are going to be trialed for a full year. My home province, New Brunswick, the New Brunswick Rugby Union games on the go. The women have played the past couple of weekends with the St. John Iris and St. John Trojans locking horns. I know the Trojans came out on top. And this weekend, the men have been opening up with the Moncton Black tied in my old stomping grounds, Blyle to face the Rovers. That game uh, is probably over with now. And then the Fredericton Loyalists are hosting the St. John Trojans. So New Brunswick Rugby is back up and going full action. So that's pretty amazing here on the East Coast. MLR, what's going on? Well, Saturday matches. Rugby United is visiting your Toronto Arrows. That's a 4.30 Eastern kickoff on TSN. NOLA Gold is in New England to face the Free Jacks at 6 p.m. Eastern. Utah Warriors are on the road facing the Houston Sabercats at 8 p.m. Eastern. Old Glory DC is in Atlanta to play Rugby ATL at 8 p.m. Eastern. And the Austin Gilgronies, the last match on Saturday, are in San Diego to play the Legion at 10 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday, there's only one match. The LA Guiltinis are in Seattle to face the Seawolves, and that's a 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff. That's a late start here on the East Coast. That's an 11 p.m. game for me. I'm too old. I'll probably be in bed and I'll have to watch the highlights the next day. <laughs> I'm going to have a quick gray area. I'm going to pop this one up later. Which World Rugby rule do you think will be better for the game? 50-22 or the goal line dropout? I'll post that on social media and get some feedback and see where we can go from there. Might be able to throw in a, a, pot, a, a pot of coffee or a, a bag of coffee beans to a, a deserved winner for that one. Coming up now, though, Dr. Summer Christie. Breakpire Golf Sales and Service, an authorized golf pride and Wilson Golf Dealer in southern New Brunswick. Get your clubs regripped now and be ready for the 2021 season, which is already upon us. 
The new Wilson D9 driver is coming soon, so pre-order it now. Break Par Golf, helping you break par, not your wallet. Follow them on Facebook or check them out at breakpargolfsales.weebly.com. Welcome back to the Canadian Ruck. Uh, we're fortunate this pod, we have Dr. Summer Christie. Uh, Dr. Christie played on the 2002-2006 Rugby World Cup squads. Uh, she's an honorable mention in the list of the 10 greatest North American women rugby union players. She's all CIS Canadian a few times, Concord University Hall of Fame. Like she's got a, a big, massive list of accomplishments. And she's also got her PhD in mental performance. And we're very fortunate to have her with us. So Dr. Christie, welcome to the Canadian Rock. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So let's let's jump in here. Um, interesting intro a beginning what's tell us your origin story born in quebec played at concordia saint anne de bellevue rugby canada like how did you get involved in the game that led you to playing for rugby canada it's actually a unique story i guess um i had never heard of rugby until quite late uh, uh as a teenager i grew up in point claire so the west island of montreal and i pretty much just did cottage stuff i didn't really partake in too many sports for the most of my childhood. I just water skied, swam, you know, ran through the bush, stuff like that. So I didn't really participate in, in too many organized sports. And um, <laughs> I was actually on the path to become an oboe player. Um, I looked up to my, my aunt, I know, who played in the Montreal Symphony Orchestra. And, and that's what I did at the school I was at, but we moved. Um, and when we moved schools uh, uh, to Laurentian Regional High School, which is where our cottage was, uh, I started to join more sports. I, I just wanted to play, and I think I joined every team that they had there. It's a funny story that links to another rugby player as well with Canada, but when I came, there was actually a girl who was playing on the Bantam football team at the time, so a girl playing with the men, and I thought, geez, that's what I'd love to do. I'd love to do that. Never heard of rugby in my life. I just want to play contact sport. It just seemed like what I like to do. I mean, I grew up with my cousins at the lake. Anyways, so I asked if I could, but at that time I was in grade 10. So I was too small and it was a little bit too late to join the men's team. But they said, hey, why don't you play rugby? It's like football without pads. And I said, yeah, I'm in. And uh, I never looked back after that very moment. Never touched my oboe again, which is not a bad thing. Honestly, never looked back. I loved every second. I think the first time I touched the ball, I just decided my dream was to play for Canada. Even if I didn't know there was a Canadian team, I just, uh, I loved it so much. I loved everything about it. And I mean, I guess that that will continue in my life story, but that's my, like the real origins of where I, and why I started playing rugby. I like that. Like, um, I'm from, I'm from the country, small, very, very small community in New Brunswick. And it's a kind of the same. We grew up outdoors, running the fields, but we also played a lot of hockey and stuff like that. And I played a lot of sports, but once I was introduced to rugby, it was, it was just a different atmosphere and how I looked at life. I think it's, and you, you really highlight that there. That's, that was pretty cool. So you, you, you start out, you start playing, you go to university, you're playing rugby Canada and lo and behold, you go to the O2 uh, world cup in Spain and the O6 in Edmonton. Talk to us a little bit about Spain, like interesting location for a World Cup. What are your what are your thoughts? What do you remember about Spain itself with uh, the World Cup back in 02? Well, to be to be honest, like my career, like you said, I went that that was high school and I went to John Abbott um, and then was playing with Concordia. But I was fairly young when I first started playing with the national team. I was on 
at the time we didn't have too much development also. So I was on, I think the first ever probably U21 team at the time. And uh, I actually was the youngest team player on the team at the first world cup in Spain. So it was a crazy experience. Also like really exciting um, as a young player, uh, Spain itself was just a beautiful place to travel to. Uh, luckily I've had a lot of opportunities to travel to a lot of places, but Spain was um, just culturally very nice. Lots of things to go see. I remember traveling and seeing the, the Gaudi buildings and, and stuff like that. I, uh, the stadium too was amazing for the final. Like I think it's the biggest stadium I'd ever played in, in and not like there were very many people there, but uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was well done. It was just, it was a great experience. Um, again, I was kind of just really happy to be there and like so many friends and family came out to watch too, which was, uh, which was really special. Okay. So interesting, you know, adventure into an O2 and then you come back and, Four years, four years later, Edmonton in Canada is hosting the World Cup. Kind of a homecoming uh, on home soil for sure. What was the what was that atmosphere like compared? I mean, you, you kind of joked a little bit about small crowds, but over the years, women's rugby's progressed tremendously, and they get massive amounts of crowds. What was it like in 06 in Edmonton? Yeah, well, it was quite a bit better. I mean, it was great to have a home crowd in uh, 06, and it was great to have really close friends be able to come and travel and. But I think it's not, it's, uh, I look forward to the next one in Canada as far as crowds and stuff, because rugby has grown even so much more. It was great for us in Canada, but I think that I'm just excited what'll come next as, as far as how big it'll get. That's great. Yeah, I think it's it's just getting bigger. What, what do you think the women's program, the, the sevens and the fifteens has been really strong as of late. How do you think that has happened? Like, what is the secret to their sustained success? What is... What has catapulted them into the top five rankings continually? Yeah. Is it your uh, interesting question? And uh, <laughs> you know what? Like, it would be unfair for me to say that I know the secret. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do work with the sevens and fifteens women's programs now um, in my role as a mental performance consultant, but uh, only, that's only been recent too. So it would be unfair for me or for anybody to say that they know what the secret is, but I think I have a feeling and a, and a strong thought that, and it comes from where I came from and all of the women that I know in this program is they're successful because of who they are. You know, being in a program where you play because you love it, it's not necessarily like you're going to win. <laughs> make a million dollars, you're not going to uh, be famous. You do it because you absolutely love the sport, your desire to work hard, to win, to push each other, to, to do all that while you're carrying on regular life and maybe getting a job and going to school and stuff. I think just the drive and the power, the discipline, the motivation that each one of these women has, uh, I think is really what leads to our success. It's a difference when you're playing because it's passionate and you want to play for each other and for your country over, over, let's say something like at for a paycheck. And I think that's a real special thing. I know it's hard. I'm not saying don't because there, there needs to be funding and so on, but I think that it's a special thing that a lot that empowers women and just gives them the drive and the power to succeed. And women in Canada in rugby are definitely not short on that. And I think it comes from within and I would say that's their secret to success is just the women themselves, like, honestly. 
I think that's a pretty, pretty great answer. It's, it's not any one thing. It's just the collective of their desire and their drive to get better continually. So I think that, I think you answered that quite well. I, I like to ask this question because we have a lot of rugby players on here. And one thing I often say is that I, I, I love the fact when athletes play more than one game, you know, the, the people call it multi-sports athletes. I think you're an athlete. If you play more than one sport, if you just play rugby or rugby player, if you're just play hockey or hockey player, I don't think you're all that athletic. And that's just my personal hangup. I could be way off. Do you think it's important for players uh, you know, at high school age and university to play more than one sport? Is it better for their development? Do you think it's more harmful? I think it's absolutely beneficial. And I'll say this from my um, like uh, evidence-based uh, perspective as a, as, a, as a PhD in sports psychology, I do know the research. And I also have a personal experience with that. I mean, it, it has, it's very clear, kids tend to burn out a little bit quicker or drop out from sport if they're not having fun. And if you specialize early, and there's too much pressure early on that just tends to lead to dropout. So those kids and people that get to experience not just multi-sport, like you don't have to play multiple sports. You just have to play, mm. right? So I gave that experience of my, my, my origin and similar to yours, like just having the opportunity to play, to be active, to choose, right? Like to try out different sports. I think I tried everything. Well, maybe not everything, but I tried a ton of different sports. I never really, I never specified in anything until rugby. And that was really my choice. I got to experience it all and then say, hey, this is what I love. And with centralization, you can add a lot of centralization, early specialization. There's a lot of extra pressures for you to do well at a young age. And then your, your sole focus is that. So one, it can lead to that early burnout or dropout in sport, particularly with kids. And then um, it, it can kind of diminish the, the fun. The main reason kids play is fun. And the main reason they drop out is when it's not fun. There's also some interesting research on um, why athletes tend to last longer in uh, NFL and NHL. And they say that athletes that come from rural environments and that don't specialize early tend to uh, have a longer life within their career. Um, in sport, they've enjoyed it, picked what they wanted. You're motivated. It's, it's self-motivation, intrinsic motivation versus anything else. Like you're doing it for money, for your parents, for, you know, for some other reason. Um, so they tend to last longer. Um, I can say for sure. Like I didn't, yeah, I didn't have the pressure of somebody coaching me really early and trying to get things right. So I got that growth mindset, able to play, have fun, and then really just choose and, engage with my own intrinsic motivation on it so I definitely wholeheartedly recommend playing many sports and just playing as kids just playing I think that's I think you said that really beautifully because as you were saying that it also made me think of you know watching hockey and and, and it's creeping into rugby is how things are so system-based when you're younger and it takes mm -hmm. a lot of that freedom of play like I know I'm a little bit older. I'm in my forties. And when I grew up, it was pond hockey and shinny and learning how to all, all you know, just have fun on the ice. But now it's when you're, you know, you, you go to a rink and there's like 10 year olds learning how to play trap style hockey and, you know, things like that. And the one, two, one, four check. And it's like, just let them play, let, let them, let them develop their skills with fun. But yeah, I, I, I'm concerned as a coach and as a parent that things are just trending way too far in the opposite direction. 
And then yeah. I don't know, am I an old man giving an old man rant or is this something that's, you know, accurate? I don't know. Well, the fact that you're thinking about it is huge, right? The fact, because I mean, I work, I work with some kids. I, I don't tend to work with kids for, and I can go into detail into that, but I mean, the, the one thing is the long car ride home and us as parents, as, as coaches, as anything, it is all well-intentioned. There's no question. You're saying like, hey, you missed that. Or did you see that? Here, it could be better. But at that age, it's really like, ask them, say, hey, what'd you learn today? How was that? You know, help them learn that growth mindset and enjoy it because it does, it can become kind of like that long car ride home that becomes more difficult in their career. Um, P.S. I'm also in my 40s, not older than me. <laughs> you, you wear it much better than I do. <laughs> I was also thinking too. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I was also thinking too that, um, that that even you know goes into high school age high school age players uh, for the you know the long car ride home and allowing them to just be themselves on the on the ice on the pitch what have you right so it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of issues there that mm -hmm. I think society more than anything is just kind of skewing too far in one direction, but that's, that's for a different podcast. Maybe, I don't know. I'm right. getting into some psychology. Yeah, you're right. It, we could go on forever, but I, I'd say all good intentions, but you know, um, it just giving them choice and letting them play and letting them have the motivation to do it themselves is really what's going to sustain their long-term desire to participate in and go further in sport. Yeah in a healthy way <laughs> yeah and there's also and then there's the other side of the token like uh some you know parents will say well my kid only wants to play hockey all the time and as a parent i'm thinking but maybe you have to help them explore other ideas so that they don't get burned out when they're 15 or 16 or 17 but again that's you know what am i to tell somebody else's parent right who am i it doesn't hurt i think you know we move we shifted into this early specialization mode in general and we're slowly shifting out with research and understanding. So I don't think it hurts to do that as far as like long-term effects too. If you only ever want to play hockey, then you're only going to identify as a hockey player. And that's pretty tough when you get to the higher levels, if you don't make things mm -hmm. right, there's not a lot of, that makes it much more stressful for any selection, much more stressful for anything else. So like developing an identity and uh, outside of just one sport is so, so important at a young age or any age, to be honest. I also look at it from a teacher's perspective. Is in the like I coach high school, I coach a rookie rugby program, but I also look at it from the perspective that okay, so you want to specialize in basketball, you don't come into your classroom and say I only want to take math, I don't want to take anything else. It just that's not how it works. Like how do you become familiar with anything else? How do you become a well-rounded student? How do you become educated enough that you can do something beyond math or beyond basketball or whatever? So. I guess I always have that different atmosphere, that different approach to looking at things. And sometimes it gets me in trouble at work, but you know, it is what it is. Sometimes we got to get in trouble to make change. <laughs> I say, go for it. <laughs> so we're at a section now, and I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you about this. So I'm not sure if you've heard any pods in the past. So I do a section called quick fire and I've got about 20 questions Half of them are rugby-based. Half of them are kind of fun-based about your personality. Mm -hmm. Do you want to give it a try? Sure. Come in. <laughs> All right. So the first half, as I said, are rugby. All right. Who's the best team you've ever faced? Uh, well, obviously the Black Ferns. <laughs> That's, there's no question in my time. It's always been the best team I've ever faced. That's, that's a fair statement. 
Who's the best player you ever faced? Uh, I'd like to, I actually, a good answer to that. The best player I've ever played with is Jillian Florence. And I'm glad I never had to face her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Who's the toughest player you ever face? And when I say the toughest, it's the woman with the ball and she's running at you on a 1v1 and you just pray to God she trips or drops the ball so you don't have to try and tackle her. Oh, you know what? And I don't know the name, but it was a New Zealand 15 because I was a 9, 21 and probably like 140 pounds. And she was 15 and fast and had skills and was probably up close to the like the 180, 190 and just got low (laughs) (laughs) did you take her down Uh, i think so (laughs) (laughs) all right what was the best match you were ever a part of that's always hard i think i have that kind of a rugby brain not to make jokes it might be concussions i don't always remember specific games that well it kind of all mashes into one i think the best game that i ever got to play would be the ones where i just felt like it didn't even know it was happening. It was with my best friend. So that would have been on the St. Anne's pitch at home, winning the finals after the year after I retired from Canada. So okay. that's a nice memory. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite rugby tradition? Ooh, there's so many. I love having a beer after practice with my teammates on the sideline. Uh, love singing, love just the camaraderie. So, but tradition, I guess, is just a beer after practice. Okay. What's your favorite song? Oh, not appropriate <laughs> question to ask any rugby player on. on the reason uh, I ask because I might get you. I do know a song called. Oh God, no! It's so inappropriate. Um, rugby men, my favorite because I. <laughs> so it's inappropriate, and I'm not going to sing it. Okay, <laughs> uh, but I went out of my way to find songs with lyrics for women so that is why rugby men um is my favorite song rugby song i don't know if i know that one i know a lot of the rugby songs but i'm not sure i know that one so i'm gonna have to look it up <laughs> <laughs> all right who's the best team you've ever played with you know obviously uh the national team has been the best quality team i've ever played with the the, the 15 leading up to the world in edmonton best team i've ever played on I would say best team wholeheartedly at a different level is 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 St. Anne's. What's your rugby nickname? Uh, f- funny enough, my name doesn't really come with a lot of nicknames because it's different. But one time, uh, for a, people call me some now sometimes, and uh, Scrummer was one time my nickname. Okay. Who's the player that you loved to smash? Mm, all of them. <laughs> That's good. But I, but I, like, there's no particular one. I wasn't like singling out people. I, I just like to hit people. So, yeah, everyone. All right. What's uh, any rugby superstitions? Uh, no. Uh, and even more so now, like, uh, superstitions are, well, okay. I don't have a superstition, but I've worn this nine and uh, Rugby Canada necklace probably for the last. 25 years straight, not taking it off. It's not really a superstition, but it's just something I do. In mental performance, it's routine, not superstition. So that's how I go about it. Because of your job, you have to be really careful with that question, I imagine. 
Well, I, I no, I so su- I support superstitions. There's no question, <laughs> but uh, as long as it's supportive of your performance and not hindrance, and then I look at well, what's the routine? And if you don't put your left sock on first, is that really going to lose you the game? You know, so uh, yeah, I don't, I know, I never really did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we could talk later. <laughs> All right, this is the most important question. Yeah. Okay. There's there's a tournament an axe throwing tournament for world domination which 3x teammates do you take with you to win this tournament hmm. see axe throwing requires that accuracy so you got to get like a hooker or something yeah. but uh power what hooker wise so if i'm gonna say hooker wise more with shields well i'd pick jill florence again and i'd pick uh, jose lacasse okay good team that'd so be a good team prop- Prop back row, but yeah, I'd pick them. Axe row. All right. What's the most used app on your phone? <laughs> WhatsApp. <laughs> no, it's got um, to be something. Because I'm on team Virginia. chats with. with... It's got to be oh, something. Oh, no. Because yeah. uh, everybody says WhatsApp. Well, that, well, it is WhatsApp because I'm on it like 24-7 because I'm on every different team group chat. My most. You're a TikTok that... person, aren't you? No, I'm not. <laughs> not in that age group i uh, to be honest it's it's honestly what's whatsapp but uh i'm looking at my phone right now my email sadly uh <laughs> we have a new app for our club which i started a new website so i'll, I'll say that one we have an app okay. for our club so i like that <laughs> sounds good all right what's your go-to food hmm. my go-to food is i don't know i tend to eat mostly vegetarian so I don't know, like a good, uh, I love Mexican. So I, fajitas, let's say that. <laughs> All right. Chips or cookies? Uh, chips. What kind of And chips? then cookies. <laughs> cookies for dessert. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like salty, then sweet. Um, chips for sure. My favorite right now is the kettle chips that are ranch. Oh, I've never They're had They're hard those. to find. Yeah. Okay. They are very good. <laughs> All right. French fries or onion rings? Oh, French fries for sure. And you're a Quebec girl, so French fries or poutine? Well, it depends what you're in the mood for. Poutine's pretty rich, so it's like a full meal. <laughs> full meal of food. Yeah, that's good, though. All right, what's your favorite beer? Ooh, I'm not too picky. I enjoy beer. Uh, right now, I, I I guess my go-to easy pick would be Stella. Okay, Stella's not bad. What is a guilty pleasure? A guilty pleasure would probably be Stella, <laughs> Stella floating on the lake. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a guilty pleasure. Maybe everything's a guilty pleasure. Stella, we'll go with Stella. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like a good milk chocolate every once in a while or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what series are you binge watching right now? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I'm very much into... Um, true crime and criminal psychology it's just fascinating but i'm actually watching narcos right now (laughs) okay i haven't seen either of those so i'll have to look them up what is your favorite movie oh well remember the titans that's a good one all right last three questions and they all tie in together for the quick fire who would play you in the netflix movie of your life oh like a celebrity sure yeah oh I imagine like an actress, probably like somebody that's in the, in the business, but. play me. This is not rapid fire. I no, I, 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 I have to oh, rename Daenerys it. Daenerys Targaryen, for sure. From, Which is 
Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Okay. Who would be the leading opposite? The leading opposite? I'm trying to think, to be honest, I've done a lot on my own. So I would pick um, Uma Thurman as my best friend. Okay. That's good. All right. Last, <laughs> last one. What would the movie be called? Uh, in the corner, in the corner. <laughs> and yeah. I say that because there's a quote that I love it's like ha- happiness isn't around the corner it's in the corner so I think of that I like that that's nice like right, well, in, the seat, in the turn yeah it's part of the journey all right mm-hmm. so thank you for those 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 are always uh, a very fun part of this but we're back to some the serious questions now who had the biggest impact on you as a player So many people have had a great impact. Um, And I think of all the people very close to me at uh, that when I started, like in St. Anne's um, and who coached me, I'd say the person and coach who had the biggest impact on me as a player. It's always a little bit hard because I'll get choked up, but it was Rick Suggett, Sluggo. Uh, You've probably heard that before. Um, He's the most authentic coach I've ever had who... um, would get goosebumps when he got excited for you and would also tell you to, you know, smarten up like with a little F bomb in front of it. And, (laughs) but I respected that and never felt like, yeah, I would have, uh, I would have gone to war for him and uh, he taught me new things. And to be honest, like I said, how he, how he was so authentic, it was just really easy to follow him and, uh, and to have him influence my life so much. That's great. A a few people brought up his name. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on what makes a great team player? Okay. So I, I truly believe this, and it links to something I said before, but uh, somebody you can hit the hardest and somebody who will hit you back the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> so meaning um, I hit my friends harder. I, I Because it's, a, it's, it's what I would call positive rivalry. If I know I can lay you out on the field and you're going to do the same, it means you're going hard. You're going to challenge me. You're not going to go easy on me because I'm not good at something or I'm not going to do the same to you. So just somebody who challenges me, pushes me, I'd say is the best quality in a teammate. That's nice. Somebody that can help raise your game and you can raise theirs. I like that. Let's fast forward to 2026. So five years out from now, it's 20 years after that 06 World Cup in Edmonton. What do you what, what, uh, Sorry, what do you want to be remembered for from that time? What do you want your teammates when you're, you're gathering for a reunion, what do you think they're saying about you from that 06 tournament as a player, as a person? Well, I mean, I think in general in rugby, I think uh, not in specific to any team, but I do hope I am remembered for um, the work I put in. And well, let's say first and foremost, my passion and love for the sport, just how much I cared and what I did for it, uh, as far as how, how, I don't like to use the word sacrifices, but choices I made in order to make that happen. Um, And for challenging my teammates, for being challenged by my teammates, for being there for my teammates, and just for, you know, being able to be in the moment and, and enjoy the game with everyone. So mostly just, I think people remember me for my passion because they'll say in any kind of speech, they know I'm excited when I start swearing or (laughs) just like, Rick too, like I I get goosebumps when I'm giving those little talks as a captain. And and I think that I hope that people would remember me as hopefully a good leader, but also one that just really cared and just really loved the sport. I think that's a fair statement. I I imagine that's what they would be saying. I really like that. 
All right. So just a little bit differently now. So you're in one of my favorite fields, sports psychology, mental performance. Uh, talk to us about who you're working with now. Like not obviously not individuals, but you're working with teams and you're prepping and stuff like that. Like what, what can you tell us about who you're working with and what you're doing there? Yeah. So you're right. I can't, I, you know, confidentiality, it depends who I'm working with that I can share, but I am working with the, the both women's program, well, both women's programs and the development programs with Rugby Canada. So the sevens program, the 15th program and development. Uh, I also work with Wheelchair Rugby Canada and I've been working with them for quite a while now. Um, they're a fantastic group and just like the same core rugby values that we have. I encourage you to watch them at the Paralympics and also to not expect that it's too much like like able body rugby as we know it. So get a rule book out, but you'll love it because there's lots of hard hits. I work with them. I work with currently with uh, bobsled skeleton athletes. I work with individual athletes and I do a lot of extra contract working, but my main focus right now leading into the Olympics and Paralympics is sevens, 15s and the World Cup, sevens, 15s and um, wheelchair rugby. So when I, I do work in high performance sports, so I'd say the, the, the skills are a little bit different because they're at a high level. I, the skills are the same, but I'm not focusing as much on the foundational skills. Like how do you focus? How do you set goals? Um, like that, like it is much more um, support, chat, facilitation, and when we, and team dynamics, working with coaches, working with IST, yeah, uh, group dynamics, group work, and then individual support. But you know, the, the, the skills remain the same. My top are focus. If you can focus, if you know what to pay attention to and when, and you can be in the moment, <laughs> uh, arousal reg regulation, which is like, if you can manage the stress that's naturally going to come up. And if you can debrief around that, and those are the skills, uh, the characteristics would be confidence, self-talk, and stuff like that so it really depends but you work in a lot of different areas but those are my top three skills and uh yeah it just uh, you it always depends on where they're at what they need what the coaches need um and so on is there a lot so you, you talked about you know main strategies that you employ it's probably varies from athlete to athlete like some might not need self-confidence talk but they might need more focus talk things like that how much or do you um, like do coaches come to you and say this player really needs this I need you to do fix this for them or is it really just that intimate <laughs> settings with the, with the athlete and you kind of push the coaches aside because your focus is on the player and the team not what the coach wants yeah well I mean it's definitely a mixture of everything right a coach will always say that but I, I mean it's just like when a parent brings in a kid that's <laughs> interesting like they say, they need to fix this and they're missing these shots. And I say, okay, great. Thanks. I really, you know, really appreciate that information. And then when they leave, I say, Hey, what's really going on? Like mm -hmm. what's, what's up for you? So it is always an individual approach. So even in a team environment, if we talk about certain things, that's based on what the team needs at the time. I'll always, I do talk with coaches a lot. Everything I do with an athlete is confidential. Right. So I don't talk to coaches about what they said, but they can give me information. I can support that way. And then I can also influence coaching behavior by saying, hey, you know, like this person could use this kind of feedback on the field, you know, not not specific or uh, anything like that. I, it is confidential with them. So mm. I kind of I take the information that's necessary, but it's also 
it's hard to just fix people. You don't, you don't just come in and in one session fix, and nor do I think anybody's like broken, right? Um, they could, so if you think like uh, a lot of people talk about mental toughness as something you have or you don't, right? And, and a coach might say, this athlete needs to be mentally tough. I'm like, okay, great. Well, mental toughness includes confidence, focus, arousal regulation, like all these different things and say, well, you don't have to feel weak because you don't have this quote unquote, like magical term of mental toughness. You are confident. Maybe we could work on, you know, uh, the, the nerves you get prior to a game, or maybe you can focus, you are confident, or maybe you're too confident, right? Like, so there's like, there's always a place you can work there. Um, but you're so right. It's always individual. And I mean, the greater picture you have working with somebody, which can be feedback from a coach is definitely helpful. And, and more than likely, like a parent, they have the, the kid or the player's best interest at heart. And, you know, you just have to filter through what is needed from them that can help the athlete. Right. So. Right. Right. How, from your perspective, I mean, this is your job. This is your life now. How important is that mental side of sport? Well, I, I mean, I'm not being biased when I do think it is one of the critical pieces because, and this is a metaphor I use very often, but if you imagine a high jump and you're a high jumper, right, your ability to jump a certain height uh, comes from a few things. So if you think of what creates your ability to do that, it's your strength, your power, your agility, uh, your nutrition, the work you put in, right? The practice hours, the technique, right? So that builds over time and you can jump a certain height, right? So between now and performance day or game day, that height shouldn't doesn't change, right? So you've built that to get to that point. So you, sh you should, should, sometimes a tricky word, but you should be able to make that. That's your ability, right? The thing is, is in sport is we have the chance to have like this, you know, peak performance. We sometimes get, you know, a little extra boost or do better than we have. We have like a PB, but we also have instances where we have that weak performance. So that's, you know, some people would call it choking. Let's just say suboptimal performance, which all it means is you're not doing what you know you can do. Right. And so if you think about everything that leads up to that ability, that's concrete, that's fixed, that doesn't change. So the only thing that changes between today and tomorrow, which is game day, is what you're thinking. So I do think it's important, particularly at the higher levels. I think, I think everything leading up to that is important. You need to have that ability to be able to perform. But if the one thing that can change under pressure is that, that is why I feel it's, it's very, very critical to high-performance sport. I think that's a good, a good statement for sure. I want to ask you one other thing. It wasn't on the list. So one thing that I find always find intriguing with high-performance athletes or professional athletes is that, you know, it's the hockey playoffs. And the players can only focus on their task at hand. Like, you know, you can't, you, you don't, yeah. you, you know, you hear always things, see things in the news that, well, it's a contract year, but we can't talk to them about their contract because it's a playoffs. Or, you know, so-and-so is going to the Olympics. Well, you can't talk to them about family issues now because he's at the Olympics. Is that factual or is that a cop-out in your opinion? Or is it like somewhere in between? Um, well, you know, like if you take, okay. So if you take like, NHL, like if you take like professional organization with contracts and money and stuff, that might be a cop out for the organization. But the way I look at it, and it's so important, 
is distraction management, right? So they are there to do a job. And for, <laughs> you know what, the, the Olympics are great, but it's just another game, but everybody treats it differently. So you're going to get more media, you're going to get more questions, you're going to get more attention, you're going to get more than you ever expected. So a lot, a lot of what we work on prior to something like the Olympics is predicting what that could be and finding ways to either one, control it if we can, or two, manage it. So one, control it would mean what can I cut out that could be a distraction? So that might be social media, that might be what interviews I'm doing, what I'm choosing to engage in, uh, when I turn my phone off at night, you know, like all of those things, because it does change. It's an entirely different environment. And if you can be as prepared as you can, but the Olympics is different. So we say, we go for all the biggest what ifs and we say, well, what, what do I need to control for me? So again, it's individual. Sometimes it's, it's to do with the organization and they have rules, but I would say within the individual and within the team too, it's also important to discuss as a team is to say, well, what could be the distractions? How do we control? How do we manage, right? Because our job is to play rugby. It is not to talk to media, right? That's for them. I, like, and I'm selfish, or maybe I'd say that's the athlete in me that says, you know, this is our chance to do what we need to do. Great that you want to talk to us. That's great, but that's not our priority. Again, it's individual and maybe a cop out, but I think for them, they do need to focus and it's a pressured environment where they're getting way more than they ever did before. So it's the time to narrow it down and the time to, to you know, put themselves first and the team first. And, and if that means not talking about things and or that they don't feel comfortable with, I think that's totally reasonable. That's, I think that's a good, a good analogy for sure. It almost sounds like the what if aspect, you're talking about fear setting. So what if the worst case scenario happens, how do we solve that? And I imagine you probably do that a yeah. fair amount with athletes, right? So that's that's really good. I guess, I guess lastly, any great rugby stories you can share with us, something from your playing days or just something that is kind of a fun, uh, maybe storied, lighthearted, even throw yourself under the bus, throw an old teammate yeah. under the bus, what have you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking of that. And I, again, rugby brain, everything meshes together. I think uh, <laughs> Martin Silverstone from my club, actually wrote a book with a lot of stories in it. Um, so he's better at remembering than I am. But the one that comes to mind that's just funny um, is when I was playing for John Abbott College. It's funny and it was it was an injury story. So um, we were playing and I was running with the ball and I got tackled out of bounds oof, like this. And the touch judge who had a wooden flag went whack and hit me square in the forehead between the eyes. And it blew up like this giant oh. egg on my forehead. And it didn't hurt, but I could not stop laughing. And I didn't know how big it was. It took the ref to say, uh, I think you need to go get that like covered. So they like taped it up and stuff. But yeah, so lighthearted. That's a funny story. That's not bad. I don't know if I've ever seen a wooden flag. I don't, I don't know. Mm, yeah, well, it was hard. I, yeah, yeah it, I think it was at the time. <laughs> so before you go, I'm, I just want to mention too, for people that are listening, you talked about you're working with the Paralympic rugby team. Uh, I had three of them on my show at the start of season two. So Patrice Dejeuner, Mike Whitehead, and Eric, Eric Rodriguez. So they all had individual uh, pods. And then we did, Rodriguez, yeah. yeah. And then we did a, a group pod where the three of them dissected a game. So we watched 
about half of a, of a, of a, a wheelchair rugby game and they explained the rules and did everything. So if, you know, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking like, this is great. You know, a lot of people watch that and I got a lot of positive feedback, but if you haven't watched them, they're at the start of season two and they're all there for you to watch and I guess get a better understanding of what, um, what wheelchair rugby is like and what those athletes have to go through because it's, 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 it's a pretty hard grind, I think for those guys and girls as well. So yeah no that's amazing i'm gonna recommend that because because everybody asks me are they on the grass and i'm like no here like i'll explain right it's different but that's fantastic those three guys are phenomenal athletes true mentally tough again the word i don't like but i'm using uh truly <laughs> really good solid teammates and great players yeah. all of them well listen dr chrissy it's been an absolute pleasure i've had a blast Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck prepping the teams for the Olympics and everything else. And uh, take care of yourself out in BC. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Dr. Chrissy. That was awesome. Great thoughts on rugby, great thoughts on sports, and definitely great thoughts on mental performance. Uh, I think you and I could probably do another pod and just talk mental performance all the way because that's a passion of mine, and obviously a passion of yours. This is, this is a great call. Thank you very much for taking the time. Coming soon, we've got Ander Monroe, we've got Harry Jones and some sevens, uh, some of the sevens teammates, Andrew Coe and Alicia Aleri. We're still struggling to find a time. News around the uh, Olympic rosters is, is kind of set things back, but we'll see what we can do. Thank you for listening. Keep spreading the good rugby word. Make sure you're sharing these messages. That's the important thing for me is that everybody gets a chance to, to hear from these great Canadian rugby people. The world is slowly opening up. Rugby is back on the table, local levels, provincial levels, international Olympics. It's exciting, exciting times. I know COVID's still out there, still doing its thing, but we are starting to get the upper hand. And by having sports open up like rugby, you can see that happening. I need to say thanks to my son, Rylan, for supplying us with our intro and our outro tunes. And lastly, this is Jamie. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and most importantly, keep on rocking.